0: You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast, featuring my very special guest, Michael Howell of Cross Border Capital. The subject at hand is liquidity, which is um, more and more, I think, being understood as one of the primary driving forces of markets uh, of every kind. Just about every risk asset on the planet is dependent upon liquidity, and nobody does a better job of Michael and his firm Cross Border Capital in understanding liquidity and communicating it effectively so that people have a sense of where it is, how it's changing, and what that might mean for risk assets. So it seemed a perfect time to have a chat with Michael and get an update on the world of liquidity. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and Shifts Happen are available to copper, and Silver Tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper Tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the Silver Tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Home. So if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you'd like more high-quality content like it, then please do make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. So good to have a chance to talk to you again in 2023. Great, Grant.
1: Pleased to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, look, it's always a pleasure to have you back and talk to you. And and it's funny, you know, since the last time we spoke, um, you know, we had a conversation about liquidity. It must be about a year ago now, I think. And um, in that time, it's amazing how important the idea of liquidity and the understanding of it has become with everybody. So what I'd love to do to kick things off is just... But talk about liquidity as a construct and, and the way thinking around it has changed because you've kind of sat in the middle focusing so acutely on it for such a long time now and you've kind of seen the world around you ebb and flow in terms of its either understanding and appreciation of liquidity or its reliance upon it or its use of it to predict things or to right. trade things. So so let's talk about that kind of the journey of liquidity and in the investor's mind and then we'll, then we'll start talking about uh, its applications in the markets today.
1: Okay, so first of all, what do we mean by liquidity? People talk uh, about it very frequently, as you rightly say, but let's we've got to pin it down and let's uh, really see what uh, what liquidity. what's behind liquidity. We basically start with, uh, if you'd like, a twin definition. One is to separate liquidity into funding liquidity and also into market liquidity. Now, market liquidity is what most people understand, or most traders or investors understand by liquidity, and that effectively refers to market depth, um, bid ask spreads, the size of bid ask spreads. In other words, can you transact in markets in size very close to current prices? So that's market liquidity. But that's effectively a derivative of the other type of liquidity, which is funding liquidity. And that is, is there enough liquidity in the system to actually be able to facilitate transactions? Okay. And that's the bit that we really focus on. So we look at market liquidity, if you like, as a cross check, but we're, we're essentially trying to understand what funding liquidity is. Now, funding liquidity represents the flow of cash and credit through global financial markets. Okay, uh, That's probably the simplest definition. Another way to think about that, which I think is increasingly relevant in a world where there's lots of debt, is to try and think of it more in terms of balance sheet capacity. And the reason that we say that is that, contrary to what textbooks tell you, and textbooks say that essentially Financial markets are a a new, if you like, a way of raising new capital. In contrast to that, today, financial markets are more about refinancing existing debts. So it's not raising new money for capital spending, where interest rates are the most important factor. So you look at market interest rates as your cost of capital, right? And that's what drives the economic system no longer is that true i mean nobody's really doing a lot of capex in the west most of it as we know is being done in china or in asia
0: yeah.
1: so it's the refinancing angle which is critical and we've got you know huge a huge huge part of debt as you and i know too well which has got to be refinanced and it's that refinancing where liquidity becomes absolutely critical and the best way to think of liquidity in that context is it's the capacity of capital in other words a measure of balance sheet capacity rather than the cost of capital now to put to give you one very concrete example, if you're thinking of somebody who's a homeowner and their mortgage is coming up uh, to be repaid and they can't repay it, so they've got to roll it. Now, if you want to get the roll, it's not the interest rate that you're going to pay that really is the critical thing. It's actually getting the roll. It's finding a bank yeah. that will refinance your mortgage because if that doesn't happen, you're homeless. So, if you're thinking about debt and refinancing. This is really the critical concept today. So liquidity in our modern world is crucial for policymakers to think about in that refinancing context. And with a huge debt pile saddling the world economy, refinancing is key. Now, we did some estimates where we looked at the amount of debt in the world economy, which is well over $300 trillion. It has an average life of about five years which means you've got to refinance about $65 trillion of debt every year. Now, that means that if you're refinancing that amount, then um, the number of transactions in financial markets dedicated to refinancing outstrip new financings about six to seven to one, somewhere between six and seven to one. So financial markets today are absolutely dedicated to refinancing. And that's why understanding liquidity is so critical. And that's why academics and central bankers cannot dismiss uh, liquidity as being unimportant. You cannot keep defaulting back to interest rates and saying interest rates are the key thing to watch. You've got to look at liquidity.
0: Yes, this is so interesting because, you know, what that effectively means is that this need for refinancing ultimately has to crowd out new debt. You know, because it, as you say, it's it's vital that you roll this debt over, and, and we've all seen the stats on the number of zombie companies in the S and P five hundred, etc. And if it dwarfs the new debt creation by seven to one, that's a huge problem because it's it's not as though you can withdraw liquidity if you're a central bank at this point. You have to keep markets liquid. So as you've watched interest rates go from you know zero effectively to let's call it four and a half five percent, many people, myself included didn't think we had a prayer of getting to that point without something breaking. We're there, and all the talk out of the Fed is that, you know, we're going to be higher for longer, we're going to stop, but we're going to keep rates up here. What does that do to liquidity? Because obviously the the cost of uh, carry of this debt now is massively higher. You've got an enormous need for companies to refinance, as you said, so that's going to suck out a lot of that liquidity. How do those two sides come together and form a marketplace? What happens to new capital required and existing debt that needs to be rolled over, but the rates are punitive?
1: Yeah, I think you've 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 nailed it. I mean, it, essentially what this debt problem is doing is crowding out the potential for new capital. But if you think about uh, something we're all very familiar with, which is debt to GDP ratios uh, for different economies, what we know is there are an upward trend. Uh, it's very very difficult to contain these things, and you know whether it's the fact that uh, the growth in the world economy is sluggish, so the GDP uh, factor is slow, or it's the fact that debt accumulates because either interest payments are rolled up the whole time, so in other words, you can't uh, you simply can't afford the interest bill, so you borrow more debt to pay the interest bill, which we know is happening more and more, uh, and even happening to to governments. Let's be clear. So what you've got is an escalating debt to GDP ratio um and that's going to get worse if interest rates go up more and if gdp growth slows further that becomes you know an unsustainable situation but if i'm correct in saying that you need liquidity to refinance debt the ratio between liquidity and debt must remain pretty constant okay for to, to facilitate that so for every extra dollar of debt you need x extra dollars of liquidity, what that means is the liquidity to GDP ratio is equally going up as fast as the debt GDP ratio. Now what we know is that that liquidity spills out into asset markets or potentially actually also could spill out into the real economy and fuel high street inflation. But ultimately what our experience of the last 20 years is that most of that liquidity goes back into asset markets. So effectively, what you've got is a kind of paradox here is that the more you the more debt you take on, the more you're inflating asset markets at the same time. But it's becoming a, a sort of a, a more wobbly and wobbly situation. And one of the things that you know we often say, and in actual fact, it was a sort of centerpiece of a book I wrote uh, three or four years ago called Capital Wars. Uh, the theme of that book was to say as the financial world gets bigger, it becomes more and more volatile and that's effectively what we're seeing most of the financial crises that we've witnessed witnessed in the last 20 years have been refinancing crises and yeah. those refinancing crises often spill over into the real economies as well so in actual fact it's the financial markets that are increasingly driving real economies and not vice versa
0: well let's talk a little bit about the way liquidity in air quotes finds its way into the system because i think everybody's heard people talking about the Fed injecting liquidity you know, through the various open market operations and stuff. But talk a little bit, if you can, for people that don't quite understand how the Fed and the other central banks add liquidity, you know, funding liquidity to markets, and where the weak points in that might be in the environment that we're talking about now.
1: Okay, let me step back. There's principally two main conduits, if you like, of liquidity getting into the system. One is that the central banks will essentially expand their balance sheets. So they're giving uh, or making available potentially more funding or more reserves uh, into financial markets. And that makes it easier for credit providers to essentially supply liquidity uh, more broadly within the financial system. Equally what you could find is that uh, those credit providers without necessarily having the impetus of central banks through financial innovation, or maybe even taking greater risks, could themselves expand credit. Okay. And it's those two, if you like, those two moving parts are really the things to understand. Now what maybe has changed in the course of, well, maybe the last 10 years, to take one, uh, one period as an example, is that. Prior to the global financial crisis, it was the innovation and the deregulation aspect, not the central banks, that were really driving the liquidity boom or bubble. Okay, And in actual fact, to be truthful, the central banks...
0: The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com.